Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is going on, people? You know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band. It means, yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming your way. This one officially go down as episode 209. You can get all of the episodes. Jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution 24-7, 365. By jumping on a number of ways, of course, Apple, Spotify, everywhere else you get your podcasts, whatever format, courtesy of the Believe Network. You could jump on uh, Twitter or X, if you will, get into my bio, hop on the YouTube channel and follow me and uh, conversate throughout the course of the year and jump on board and talk some unfiltered and sports across uh, life, whatever else you want, at Casey Stern there. And much, much more along the way. And of course, on the YouTube channel, you can get all 208, now 209 episodes, all the conversations, the interviews, the rants, the lists, and uh, so on and so forth. And thank you to the Unfiltered Band for joining us. And thank you for being with us. I want to hit a lot today as I do this here on a uh, Friday morning. What uh, It is Friday the 13th, I believe, is it not? It is. Uh, we'll get into it. Must feel that way for a lot of 100-win teams who are going home. We'll talk about that. How about the rise of Nick Castellanos and the Phillies is now we're set for the Battle of Texas between the Rangers and the Astros and the Diamondbacks and the Phillies on the National League side. Not exactly how you drew it up, probably in the office pool. And I want to kind of follow up. I don't want to, but I think I have to on yesterday. If you missed the episode yesterday, uh, very timely. And I think I, I broke it down, hopefully pretty effectively for a lot of you who don't understand the clubhouse etiquette side of things, and this is not just standing on the side of media member. I actually most often people have followed me for years side with players over owners and players, even over media in most cases, uh, been very player friendly, if you will, in that way. But there have been some comments that have been made over the last 24 hours after I posted that podcast about this whole situation with the, uh, you know, Arcia scenario of snitching and, what is allowed in a clubhouse and whatnot. And, and I feel like I have to follow up on that. So we'll do that as well. We'll hit whatever else comes to my mind here as we uh, get at it a little bit and talk some unfiltered on the uh, baseball side here for episode 209. As always, we are happy to be here in large part, courtesy of our good friends and presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs this season. Latest odds, lines, matchup reports, baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games. They're all available right from your phone right now. So head over to the website now, or at least after you're done with the podcast. Use your mobile device to do so to sign up today. Get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code, though. It's BELIEVE. It's B-L-E-A-V. With that, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's BetOnline, where the game starts as I get started here for episode number 209. I love watching rhetoric change about players. I've seen it a lot in covering different, different sports in my day. I'll give you a couple that come to mind for me right off the bat, and I've mentioned these over the years, but on the NBA side, being there for the finals when the Raptors won and seeing kind of the, the, the complete, if you will, 180 of how people viewed Kyle Lowry, never going to win, not a, not a leader, not a big-time player, and then he ends up being a, a huge part of a run that I know everybody talks about Kawhi, but without Lowry, they're not there and so big in so many big spots, and it really has changed the rhetoric surrounding him for the rest of his career in watching and, and covering the David Price scenario throughout his 
tenure with the Boston Red Sox to then see him come out at the end of a season out of a bullpen and then start and be a, a huge reason why that team won a World Series. That was another one. And, and I've said these in a lot of these cases. We never go back and apologize for all that we got wrong. We never apologize, not as the media. We don't do it as a fan base. And we don't say, hey, look, well, you know, sorry I screwed up because I jumped the gun and said that, you know, you were horse poop and actually you were uh, much more than that. But Nick Castellanos, there were a lot of Philly fans who were ready to send him home after the way that he had performed uh, for them for a, a period of time. And certainly in the postseason, people talking about him as an automatic out. I know early last year, there were times where, you know, he was the butt of jokes seemingly was a Nick Castellanos at bat and his ability to go ahead and make plays. In fact, even though he's not known for his defense, he was making more defensive plays than he was offensively doing anything for for them at times. Well, as they say, and don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Classic for you younger folks. Uh, times, they are a-changing. Because Nick Castellanos last night becomes the first player in the history of baseball. And I often say this, and I love all these sports that I watch and I cover. But if you say the first time ever in the game of baseball, it just holds a different thing. Holds uh, My cousin Vinny holds water in a water. It would uh, in a different way and a different light than these other sports. First time in baseball history, back-to-back -back games in a postseason with multiple home runs. And by the way, those baby blue, uh, those, those powder blue uniforms, these Phillies should be wearing those every game the rest of the postseason. They are beauties. But Castellanos hits the two home runs. They get into one kind of tough spot where I, I know nobody breathing when Craig Kimbrell gets in a game, and that's a whole other story. And we'll see if that continues to be something that we watch his rhetoric change because we know his has been in his career. But Acuna gets a hold of one, not long enough, great play in center field, and then all of a sudden away you go as Rojas makes the catch, and that's the best shot that the Braves had, and they go home. Braves had an amazing season. I was happened to be at the beginning of this game last night. I was out at my son's baseball game, and the coaches and, and parents and – both teams, everybody's sitting there and, and talking about this game and this series. And people talking about, you know, is it a disappointment? Is it a waste? Is it a failure? How do you kind of pinpoint what this brave season is? Well, let me kind of lay it down this way for you. Keep it 100 with you. It's a failure. Now, why is it a failure? It doesn't mean it takes away from all the great moments you had. It doesn't mean it wasn't a historic regular season. But it was a historic regular season. It now wasn't a historic season. That's just the way it goes. And I understand. And by the way, I, I have long said for years covering baseball, even when they instituted the wild card, even when they changed the wild card series and added two wild cards, that it should be seven, seven, and seven. You want to shorten things to the wild card? We're already here long enough. You could shorten spring training. Owners don't want to take away money, people. So it's not going to go less than 162 games. They're not going to go down even to 158 or 154. And I've had these conversations over the years, and it's never going to happen, right? We understand that. They had taken those tickets, those gates, those sponsorship, those TV ratings and rights and all that stuff and all the networks that are invited. They're not doing that, right? From regional to national, it's not going to happen. But you certainly, I've been there and covered plenty of them. You can shorten spring training or start it a little bit earlier. That much I guarantee you. If you can alter it for the WBC, you can figure it out. If you want to tell me that you got to do something to kind of find a way to massage, get an extra two games in there. But I feel like, and I have said this since the beginning of this process, and I mean this, for people who listen to Inside Pitch when I was doing it when they changed this format, 
They could sit there and you tell me if you remember in the comments. I'm not trying to sit there. I told you so. But I don't think there was anyone banging the drum hard enough. In fact, you go to back to the first podcast on this show that I did talking about the postseason. I talked about the same thing. In fact, if you go back to when it was Twitter before X and go scroll back a year ago at the beginning of the postseason, the first video that I did that I actually posted on Twitter teasing our live shows, I talked about the fact that people need to pay attention to big teams were going to go home because of this format. Momentum, to use a little Giants term, changes its address. And it does that after a season when teams get a layoff and they don't play, even if it's for a few days. And you can't simulate these things. I mean, look, we've seen all the large layoffs. We've seen all the, the statistics about teams that get a week off. Yeah, I remember talking to Spilly, working with him over the years, and many people around the Colorado Rockies who feel like, for example, that World Series with the Red Sox goes different if they don't sweep the series before that. I think it was the Diamondbacks. The Tigers, who went through it twice, and Jim Leland the second time, taking them down to Lakeland to simulate games in spring training, trying to find a way around what he went through the first time. And that doesn't work either because you can't simulate the moment. There's a reason people either five or they fail in these big spots. And it's the pressure. It's the nerves. It's everything that comes with it. You cannot simulate any of that. But that momentum that is gained, that change of address during the time when one team is sitting where the other team's playing game seven mentality, that's a thing, people. And it gets exponentially put out there when you're dealing with teams that have waxed their division to a point where they're not playing meaningful baseball. And I've talked about that for a long time. This switch thing does not exist. We just kind of turn it on and off. Part of the public Dottie's runs where they have failed, and I'm not trying to make an excuse. I'm just telling you the way it is. And I've talked about this, but... Part of the problem had is that they are sitting there with 10, 15 game leads at time in this division. They're not playing a meaningful game in four months before they get there to that point where they're sitting there and now have a buy. They got to go ahead and get game seven mentality where all of a sudden one game, you're down one, nothing and your backs against the wall. Two more losses. You go home. You already lost home field advantage and everything is kind of turned the tide on you. But what about the division? We just won by 17, 14, 12, nine games. We haven't played a big game in months. That is a real thing. Now, is that an excuse that means you feel better about it and pat yourself on the back? Does that mean you take something away from the Phillies or take something away from the Diamondbacks? Of course not. But that's reality. And that momentum is a thing. And I think one of the things you can do to kind of take that cost and benefit and put it in a better spot about these teams that have to deal with a buy but get a buy, right? Because it's kind of both. You, you get it, but you get to then deal with it and figure it out is making it a seven-game series that it's longer. Do I think in this case, in this series, it would have mattered? No. Is it going to matter in the Diamondbacks and Dodgers case? No, probably not. But it's different when you're down 1-0. You manage differently because you're not in an elimination game as soon. You get to use the depth of your roster more where it hurts the depth of the roster before you because they have had to play those two or three extra games in that wild card series prior and not had that break. And I think that that's something that they should do. Is that going to fix it? No. And I know Rob Manfred said yesterday, nothing changed. They're not in a rush to do anything to change the postseason the way it's handled. I'm just telling you that I think that that would help. I think it would help, but it's a failure. It's a failure because I don't care how many home runs Olsen hit or how many stolen bases Acuna did. And look, I'm not trying to poo-poo these amazing seasons, but you went home. And you went home to the same team that knocked you out last year. And you went home for the another year that you didn't get there. 
it's one thing for the Braves to sit there in a spot where the year before they made the World Series, where what they had a 3-1 lead it was, right, in the LCS against the Dodgers, and then they go home and the Dodgers go and play the Rays in the World Series in that shortened season. It's another, if you're sitting there in the first round, you're out in three, four days, go home. Not good enough. Not good enough. It's a failure. So why? Does it mean they weren't as good a team? I don't think so. Does it mean the Phillies are a better team than the Braves? Not necessarily, but this is baseball. This is not the NBA. This is not where two or three stars can drag anybody else who's out there and give me a lot of you know mid-level exemptions to fill out my roster because I can go ahead and I can play those guys 42 minutes a game, if not the whole game, and I can go ahead and shorten my rotation go win because here the rotation, the roster, the depth, the bullpen, all of that is tested to a way higher level. It is, it is much, much harder to go the gauntlet, and you certainly are well more in a spot where you go three hot weeks, and that's all that matters. But you go to the American League side, and you look at Houston, and you look at Texas. Now, look, everybody say, well, well what about Texas? You know, they blew a division. Blah, blah, blah. What about Houston? They had a bye. But those two teams were playing game seven mentality games to try and win a division down the last week to 10 days of the season, and that matters. That's a mentality they were already in. You can give it as many speeches and talk about it, and veterans understand it and all that, and it's not the same. But a season's a failure. It is more of a failure for the Braves, what just happened, than it is for the Orioles. It's even more so than it is for the Dodgers, but certainly much more Braves-Dodgers than it is for the Orioles. So I know people are getting on nationally because they like to get clickbait. But at the end of the day, the Orioles weren't supposed to be there anyway. Probably had a learning experience. I know it sucks, but now you got to kind of build off that. Now we see where they go. They should have done more at the deadline. I get it, and we all knew that. But it's not the same as the Braves, the expectations. The Braves are the best team in baseball. The Braves were the best team in baseball this season. But the best team in baseball does not always win the World Series. That is not how it works. It's why the wild card format is so important. It's why just getting in the dance is so damn important. It's why the deadline, you got to go for it. And that's so important if you get a shot. The prospects are cool. Parades are cooler. Because you can get to a parade even in a year you didn't think you could get to a parade. Braves are done. They go home. We'll look into lead up of these matchups and do more of that as we get into the coming days here. But I, I want to hit this other thing because, again, go back and if you haven't listened to the episode, in, in the Harper episode, I broke down everything with the RC. And by the way, I mean, speaking of, you know, sorry, Clown City. He's the Bryce Harper clown question, bro. I mean, RC going like this and turn around to the Philly fans. I mean, come on, dude. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Like, I'm not saying that dude deliver, gets delivered a code red, but I, it's something. I mean, that, that's, that is a bunch of BS. Garbage. Clown show. Act like you've been there. As they say in the movie Boiler Room, act as if. We are in a world where people need to take sides all the time. It's a scary world all the way to the umpteenth of what we're seeing in the news all the way down to the most minute, most ridiculous thing on Twitter, X, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you use, TikTok, I can't name them all, Snapchat. I'm sure I'm missing something. That is where we're at. You have to take a side. You can't be in a gray area. You can't live in the shades, and I don't mean 50 shades, but all the other shades we live in, where everybody living in a gray area. And because of that, we, we make a lot of times statements in public and the media and, and fans do the same thing, but it's much worse when it's a journalist and we go too far.
I have, I, I, I would, you know, look, I, I would call Alana Rizzo a friend. She's a terrific person. She's great at her job. I've known her a long time. I respect the hell out of her. And I've had dumb takes and terrible takes in my career as well. Right? We all have. And when you have a mic put in front of you for a long enough time, that's what happens. But you cannot be calling anybody who does any kind of journalism. You shouldn't be calling anybody, no matter what they do for a living, a jack-off. And you certainly can't be doing it when it's somebody who is somebody who has earned the respect of the hard work that they've done to build their own niche by covering this game that clearly they love. And if that's what we're all about and that's what we strive for and that's who we are and that is who we are getting into this business, you, can't, you cannot do that. You cannot do that. It was way overboard. I don't know what will happen today. I don't know if they'll be retracted or comments or, or, you know, I'm not following all the reactions. I know the reactions I've seen because they popped in my timeline from a lot of people in the media who are journalists who have tweeted that they are very unhappy with it. And the reason is, is the journalists who are tweeting are right. This is not a journalist media against you. I don't think I'm any cooler than you because I was in clubhouses for 15 years. I don't. I try and bring you inside to let you know what it's like. I try and answer questions for anybody who asks what really happens with this. Anybody who has any, you can ask in the comment. I'm always, we'll talk about like how things work. That's why I was explaining. It's funny because one of the things that got talked about, isn't it ironic, as uh, Lannis Morissette once said, one of the things that was interesting yesterday was one of the things being bandied about on, on social media a lot was something I said in the morning and put out before it even became a discussion was I was explaining to you clubhouse availability and open availability. When a clubhouse is open and that availability is open, that is when that media door, that media window, that window of your privacy in that clubhouse is open. As when cameras and tape recorders are on, that is when pens and pads are in hand. And that is when journalists who their job is to go out there and their editors and producers are asking them to go get information, go create and get stories. And sometimes it's get and sometimes it's create. I've had players who have talked to me about the fact that they thought that certain journalists were like Mad Libs, if you remember the old game. They would already write in what they thought the rhetoric of the story was, and then they're trying to get you to just fit into their answers because they already got their own agenda. And there are people who are that way, and certainly in the New York media and Philadelphia and Boston, and a lot of those places are going to be that way more so than other places in the country or the world. But when that availability is open, everything's open season. Everything is open for bidding. And whether it's the person who did this or the other people who then chimed in and said they also heard the same thing, if any of them reported it, none of them did anything wrong. And whether they were a blogger, and in this case they're not, or a podcaster, in this case they have one, but that's not what they are, or whatever the case is, as was said in, in the whole diatribe, it doesn't matter. Because if they're credentialed and they're in there and it's open clubhouse, they're allowed to do that. There is clubhouse etiquette. There are things that somebody tells you off the record, you can't, you, there are things you can't do. This isn't one of them. They didn't do anything wrong. And this shouldn't have been a huge story because guess what? It's a big story because Bryce Harper did what he had to do performance-wise to make it a big story. Saying attaboy Bryce and screaming it is not really the worst thing in the world. Arcia really didn't do anything wrong either. Now, I said this. If he had said it to a reporter and put it as bulletin board material on purpose, then that's a problem. 
Did he make a mistake not thinking in that moment that Clubhouse guys could report it and all of that? Maybe. But I don't even think what he did was that wrong. But the comments afterwards about snitching and the things that Kevin Gosman and some of these, you know, it's our clubhouse is our sacred environment and all this stuff. It is, it is, but why media availability and the open clubhouse people is only one hour. All the other time you're in there, it's sacred. When that media availability is open and that clubhouse is open, if you don't understand that and you aren't being careful of that, that's your problem. That's the difference. That's the difference. Uh, always trying to make a difference here. Good to be with you. We'll continue as we go throughout the postseason. I said, I'll rock back with guests as we go through the LCS and the World Series. Just want to knock a few out and kind of get back into the flow because it's been so long in the hiatus. Jump up anytime. You can get in uh, Twitter at Casey Stern. You can get into the bio, jump on the YouTube channel, bring your comments. I don't really do other social media, so you'll have to kind of stick to those two if you want to reach out to me. And obviously, appreciate you and uh, the sentiments and the support for those of you who kind of you know, continue and did yesterday to, to shoot out notes about enjoying, you know, getting a chance to hear me talk some baseball again. I'm trying to do what I love. I'm still trying to fight for my dreams. I hope you guys and your family are doing the same. Uh, all the best to you. Have a great and blessed weekend if I don't talk to you before Monday. And we'll see you next time on Unfiltered, courtesy and presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.